Welcome to the O'Reilly Data Show. I'm your host, Ben Lorica. On today's episode, we talk about one of my favorite topics, time series, and large amounts of time series in particular. And uh, we'll be speaking with Phil Liu, the founder and CTO of SignalFX. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the O'Reilly Data Show. I'm your host, Ben Lorica, here with Phil Liu, who's the co-founder and CTO of SignalFX, uh, an interesting new startup based in Silicon Valley. So welcome to the data show, Phil. Well, thank you for having me. So first off, let's talk a little bit about uh, your background, just in case some of our listeners uh, uh, don't know who you are yet. Uh, so Phil has an interesting background. He worked at one of probably one of the first cloud computing companies called LoudCloud which has actually uh, quite a bit of interesting history in itself. And obviously the founders are very famous. So uh, F Phil, was LoudCloud a cloud computing company in the way we think of cloud computing companies these days? Yeah, actually LoudCloud is actually quite revolutionary for the time. So back in 1999, there uh, like Mark Andreessen, and Ben Horowitz, uh, Insig Re and Tim Howes uh, coming out on Escape and AOL uh, had this great idea that um, everything um, that's running a service uh, on the web you know, will require a cloud-based uh, infrastructure to run um, their um, services on. Uh, and that should be common. Um, and what turned out um, five or seven years later uh, in the um, uh, a second version coming out of Amazon EC2, um, they actually had saw that back in 1999. So extremely revolutionary for the time. So what was the, who were the target users of that service? Um, basically, anybody who was building, a, at the time, a site on the internet uh, okay. was a target. Uh, and uh, back in 1999, or 2000, I should say, um, about, I would say, a large bulk of the uh, dot-com companies back in the time uh, ran their infrastructure on LoudCloud. Uh, and it, it almost came as, oh, uh, we're starting a, we have this great idea, and then we need to uh, run our site. Where do we go? We go to LoudCloud. So, so that's essentially how popular it was back in the time. So did, the you, did you stay on when they morphed and renamed the company into, uh, what was it called, Opsware? Uh, yes, uh, I joined LoudCloud as one of the first engineers um, uh, uh, back in December 1999, and then I stayed um, throughout uh, the full life cycle of the company. Um, so LoudCloud um, became Opsware, uh, I think, about 2003 uh, time frame. Um, it had, at the time, the entire uh, dot-com bubble had bursted. Um, a lot of the dot-com company had went away, and the company... Uh, LoudCloud became an enterprise hosting a provider. Uh, and uh, in 2003, LoudCloud decided to take the hosting business and sell that off to um, EDS uh, and fork off a, the software that we built to run the, um, the service, uh, much like what you see in front of uh, Amazon EC2 today, uh, and form an enterprise software company uh, around that uh, called Opsware. Uh, and uh, I was one of the um, uh, engineers that, that went along for the Opsware ride as well. Wow, interesting. So basically, uh, uh, it was like a on uh, a private cloud software. Uh, yes, exactly. So um, uh, it started out primarily uh, um, as a service uh, built around server uh, monitoring and configuration, um, and uh, extended over time to uh, uh, to, uh, to configure everything that runs in a data center, uh, from storage devices to networking gear, um, to basically, um, uh, I think we're starting to talk about power uh, management as well. But there were at that point there were none of the 
distributed computing, big data components that we've come to know existed. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how time has changed. I think um, uh, one of the, the first services um, I worked on, um, uh, interestingly, with Carthic um, back in 2000 at LoudCloud was a service called MyLoudCloud. Uh, essentially, that was a monitoring portal for all LoudCloud customers. Uh, and at the time, like when we thought about um, um, monitoring, it was still a per instance oriented uh, monitoring system. So, you know, this is in the days where there are large Sun servers, um, you run multiple application instances on large Sun servers, the storage using uh, uh, Oracle databases uh, on EMC storage, uh, and then you probably ran WebLogic um, as your application server, and there are very few instances of those that comprise of your service. Uh, so that's like the old days. And then monitoring in that world uh, was like per instance oriented. If your Sun server went down, you know, that was a big deal. Uh, and then monitoring uh, all the tools were geared around uh, examining one particular instance um, uh, of a service. So then after LoudCloud, at some point you moved over to Facebook, correct? Uh, yes, LoudCloud um, to Opsquare, and Opsquare was acquired by HP in 2007, uh, and I stayed there for a little bit during the transition, and then um, joined Facebook in 2008. And you built out kind of the uh, monitoring operations team at Facebook. Uh, yes, I was definitely I was involved. I was one of the um, uh, the, uh, the first engineers on on the operational uh, uh, side of Facebook, um, and that eventually became part of the infrastructure team at Facebook. When I joined um, Facebook, basically was using a a collection of open source software for monitoring and configuration. So you know these are things that everybody knows, uh, Nagios, uh, Ganglia. Um, and then a lot of the time series data at the time was stored in RD files. Uh, and that didn't last very many days. Um, and then so it started out basically uh, using this per instance uh, oriented monitoring uh, technique. Now, basically, that, that, the same techniques that we used back at LoudCloud. But interestingly, you know, very, and very quickly, uh, as Facebook grew, um, this per instance oriented monitoring no longer worked <clears throat> because you know, we went from you know, orders of tens. Or thousands of servers, you know, to orders of hundreds of thousands of servers, uh, from uh, tens of services to hundreds uh, and thousands of services uh, running internally, um, and then so the complexity of the environment just gotten so out of hand that this per instance oriented monitoring was only telling you that well something is wrong, well one machine is wrong, but is that one machine going down important uh, relative to your service? And most of the time, the answer was no. Um, and that we quickly found out um, uh, then that, that the old, old way of pre-instance monitoring no longer worked uh, in this new modern uh, uh, environment. So in other words, uh, in your, in your uh, terminology, per-instance means you're monitoring one time series at a time. Uh, one server or one application uh, running on one server. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> and so at some point, it you know, you need you need uh, better tools to wade through so much uh, information coming at you at once. Yeah, so like um, uh, companies like FBE, Google, Yahoo, you know, have a, a, a percentage of the server and application are are down at any given time, uh, you know, ranging from three to five percent. Um, and um, and if you're talking about you know, hundreds of thousands of servers, you know, that's a lot of like noise. If you were to monitor each one of those for fault, um, like these things are expected to be down. And um, if they're down, you know they have almost zero impact uh, to the overall service, uh, at least to the uh, customer's perspective, pers- uh, perspective of the service. So your team was probably using similar components that uh, 
are familiar to people on the outside. Uh, so uh, by that, I mean uh, some of these big data components. Is that correct? Like Hive and... Yeah, at the time... At, at the um, time. Uh, yeah, FB definitely have a lot of um, uh, data um, uh, technology. It, used, it employs a lot of data technology, and a lot of technology came out of FB as well. So Hive was definitely one of those. Um, uh, it used them mostly for um, uh, events and uh, log processing, um, across like um, uh, petabytes of, of log data. Uh, it, most of the stuff that came out of there were for uh, business purposes. Um, uh, whereas we also built a system, um, uh, which is kind of like the, um, some of the genesis behind uh, Signal Effects, um, a, a data system for time series processing, uh, primarily around the behavior of components uh, in the production environment. So we will track things like on the server, um, the CPU utilization, uh, the OS load, um, a number of packets going in and out uh, of a particular server, um, all the way up to the applications of developers themselves also um, instrumenting their apps to give relevant information about the application uh, on the running instance. So this way, what developers could do is correlate uh, the behavior of the right. application against um, how the uh, server is actually doing. So this so sounds this similar. This actually sounds similar to a system that uh, Twitter had and i'm sure twitter i mean i i when i talked to them a year or so ago and i'm sure it's uh, evolved since then but uh, the idea was to make it easy for application developers um to insert a few lines of code and then suddenly they have monitoring for their applications uh, and uh, they also the the infrastructure team also provided tools for creating dashboards yeah that's that's, that's absolutely right so i think um a lot of the uh, companies like Twitter, um, uh, Netflix, uh, Google, uh, Facebook, um, so these companies uh, internally who have a lot of engineering resources or have been around for a while, have built their own um, uh, analytics tools around um, um, metrics and around metrics time series, particularly collected from the, um, the running production environment. Um, and then various companies have various ways of dealing with analytics. Um, uh, and then the common thing that we found, the things that work best, uh, as, you, as you said, uh, with Twitter and with Facebook, is that uh, you provide a self-service um, uh, analytics, a time series analytics system, so developers themselves can create their own dashboards to get uh, insights about their own application. Uh, and there, there, you know, there, are, there are a lot of advantages to this. So one is actually there's no centralized um, team that's managing what should be monitored. Um, and then... Uh, individual teams could essentially expose um, things which are important for their applications for other teams um, to, uh, uh, to to look at. And then in this environment where services are interdependent, uh, that's actually very useful for debugging. Um, so if my service goes down, hey, is it my problem? Or does someone else downstream like push a, a version um, that's causing uh, problems with my service? So this type of information exposed through a common location is actually helpful for the uh, entire engineering team. So at some point you decided, okay, so um, you and Kartik, your co-founder, co decided, okay, so uh, there's a lot of people grappling with this problem. Maybe we should uh, start a company. So let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, your startup, SignalFX. So uh, tell us what uh, you guys do. What's the problem? Yeah, so SignalFX, um, uh, we're out to solve uh, the monitoring problem for modern distributed applications. Uh, and then, so a modern distributed application uh, is one um, that has probably been built within the last uh, seven or eight years. Um, 
and then uh, in modern application, uh, I will say have some characteristics. Uh, one is that um, uh, it is a microservice-based uh, architecture. Uh, so a little bit about microservices. You know, traditionally, I'm, I'm going to make an analogy back to the loud cloud days. Application built in those days were running in monolithic. And the, you know, um, the popular thing to do was to run in a monolithic application servers like WebLogic, where where all your you know, all the coordination of the distributed system uh, uh, and the replication were all built into the app server. And then you have this one piece of software that's running uh, on a very large server that it itself hosts a lot of different business logic, different components or servlets uh, or, or business objects and then JTE terminology. So in the past um, eight years or so, just slowly uh, people have migrated off of this uh, idea and then into subcomponents um, that run in a um, very fast network. So instead of having um, coordination uh, be part of your application server, you know, people are using uh, Zookeeper uh, for coordination. Uh, instead of having caching of your object, business objects and web logic, people are using memcache. Um, so things are basically decomposed into individual network services uh, rather than one single um, uh, web logic uh, application server. And then in addition to that, um, the, the, the applications themselves are decomposed, and then each one of the services uh, are now more resilient than they were before, or they have to be resilient. And so people are deploying multiple instances for each one of the applications. So you now have a decomposed app server introducing a lot of different uh, instances on the network, and then you have resiliency for each one of those decomposed components introducing more instances on the network. And then if something is to go wrong, it's actually more difficult for you to find out to the source of the problem, exactly right. diagnose the problem. So this is really uh, uh, what we think of as modern uh, uh, application. And so in this environment, we think the best way to find out what's happening is to collect fine-grained metrics data um, up in, from the application instances all the way down to the OS uh, and send that information into a centralized data store for you to analyze the data in near real time. So because, you know, traditionally, you know, back in the loud cloud days, if a WebLogic server were to go down, that's a big problem. So you, you know, even though you may have replication turned on, that's one half, most likely one half of your uh, capacity. And then you have to worry about, um, you have to jump on it, you know, you have to go and try to get it back up. Uh, in this um, modern application environment, uh, if you were to lose a HTTP server, um, you're probably not worried about that. Um, if you were to lose... Um, Maybe. So, so I guess, uh, Phil, one of the things that maybe we should clarify is that uh, I think the perception of people is that, as you described, right, so now you're capturing more metrics, um, are people drowning in metrics? Yeah, so um, that's the other thing. There's a side effect actually collecting a lot of metrics is that how do you make sense of all the metrics which are coming in? Uh, and signal effects, um, basically that's where we come in to help. Um, we allow uh, developers to interactively um, sift through the sea of metrics that they're collecting. And then so make so sense when, you say, when you say interactively, this is a UI? Yes, uh, via a user interface, a web uh, a user interface. So they're not, um, they're not coding or anything? Uh, they don't have to code. Uh, we do have um, APIs for them uh, to basically access the data, the stream of data, uh, if, they want to, if they choose to use scripts uh, or, um, or programming languages to access the API. Uh, that's available as well. Uh, but the primary use case, and, and the bulk of the people, uh, what they do is they will come to our user interface, uh, and then uh, they'll submit the metrics into signal effects. They'll come to the user interface, and then they'll basically uh, look for insights on what is happening in the production environment. So they'll do things like 
you know, I'm interested in my web tier, not a single instance in my web tier, but I want to know, let's say, um, how a particular customer, um, how, what is the response time to a particular customer? So basically uh, uh, an, uh, an aggregate measure of some kind. Exactly, an aggregate measure of, of some type. And then we're able to perform this aggregation um, against the data as they're flowing through SignalFX and, and give you the response in near real time. Um, what this buys you is that not only do you have this a way to mine the data, but you can now actually use this data to take action. Uh, so therefore, monitoring um, uh, uh, your your production environment. So, so you uh, going back to your example, you you look at uh, uh, an aggregate measure. You see that uh, you you see that there might be something wrong. Then in the interface, you can start drilling down and find find the problem. That's right, right, and then uh, and then we have a, a, a the UI is actually designed uh, for exploration, so you you could easily go from uh, one set of hosts to a set of service to a set of containers, um, and then to look at a particular uh, set of metrics uh, for per customer based metrics or per service based metrics. So allow you to slice and dice across as many dimensions um, as you d- deliver to us. And so the idea here is that the uh, the user can configure what aggregation they want to expose? Yes, the aggregation is actually dynamic. Um, uh, in the interface, you could say that, uh, for, ex- for example, I want to look at response time, aggregated across each one of my customers, and then we could do that uh, in near real time. So, I mean, it seems like uh, one of the things in, in this space, right? So you have a lot of metrics, as you say, you can start with, a, with an aggregation of some kind, and then now you start doing diagnosis. But along the way, you're probably needing to calculate correlations, right? So in other words, if I'm, ha- if I'm having trouble over with this service, that, well, that service related to this service. Mm-hmm. Um, is, yeah. that, is that something that you guys provide as well? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have a notion of, um, uh, you could define a plot, notion of a plot. Um, uh, and basically the plot is a pipeline of aggregation, um, statistical aggregations uh, uh, in a combination uh, uh, with statistical transformations. So for example, you could do a P95 of something and then uh, smooth it out and then compute a moving average of the P95. Right? So you could generate multiple plots of these um, complex pipelines and then you could compare them. So you could do things like uh, for, de- uh, for detector case, you may want to create a plot they use as your signal, and maybe that's customer response time, right, uh, or transaction time. So can you they, dis- can you can you discover relationships along the way? So in other words, uh, you may not know the you may not know the, these relationships in advance, but in the course of uh, investigating and diagnosing, uh, you're you're led down a path that oh oh most likely you should be looking over here. Um, yes, so you, you know, get, we're a tool. Um, uh, we basically let you slice through. Um, you provide the model uh, in the data points that you submit to SignalFX, and the model is actually very flexible. Um, and then from that model, then you could basically slice and dice across. And the model basically is describing dimensions. You could then slice and dice across any one of those dimensions to get insights into how each one of the services are behaving. So, for example, you may have a host uh, and an application uh, name uh, as dimensions for data points you're sending, and then you could basically uh, slice and dice across what's on the host and what's on the application. So, really, what we're uh, talking about here, I mean, so you you describe it obviously in the application domain that you guys built this for, but what we're talking about here is a system 
capable of monitoring many many metrics or time series right so so uh, there are other uh, domains where this is important right so uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. So uh, we're definitely starting out with uh, monitoring uh, of, uh, of services that's running in a uh, data, center, data center environment or modern applications, as we like to call it. And then we talked with various device vendors, uh, such as uh, storage devices, uh, who are sending a lot of phone home data. Um, uh, they actually showed a lot of interest in sending their metrics on the, because they want to monitor the devices which are sent to their customers, uh, as well as you know, letting their customers gain insight into how, their, how the devices that's being deployed. That's actually performing. a perfect domain for you yeah. guys, right? So. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we have conversation with a few of those companies as well. Uh, but our primary focus uh, right now is around modern distributed applications. Yeah, startups have to focus. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, um, but you know, nothing prevents them uh, from sending the data to us and then using our UI for uh, um, different purposes. By the way, so in, in, in streaming applications, right? So frequently, uh, approximate uh, measures and approximate answers are good enough. So are you guys using some of these uh, sketch and approximate algorithms? Um, right now, we're uh, very statistically focused uh, in that we're adding uh, uh, more approximation algorithms uh, over time. Okay. So I think that that's the way we think about that. Right, right, uh, right. And I think, um, I think um, like in our user interface, we have an analytics dropdown that uh, lists all the statistical functions that we provide. And then uh, we're constantly adding to that box um, in thing. Uh, approximation algorithms, one of those predictive algorithms, uh, um, uh, is another one of those curve fitting algorithms, another one of those, and those are things that we're looking into right now, and then will uh, will be forthcoming in our product. So for a while, I think in the order, I don't know exactly, uh, maybe one or two years, you guys were just building and really not uh, talking much about what you were doing, right? Yeah. So so to me that means you know I mean uh, you build something like this it. It takes time so to build something that scales and is performant and reliable and things like that. So, um, but I do know that you guys are also uh, in the course of building this uh, system. You guys leverage a lot of open source components, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, um, the core streaming analytics uh, service that we built uh, uh, is something that we built, and that's all uh, our IP. Uh, we do use, you know, so uh, we're a big believer of open source, and then we uh, take advantage of uh, things that's been successfully built and deployed uh, by other people uh, as part of our infrastructure. So things like uh, we use Kafka internally. Basically, when we uh, we signal effects is also a microservice architecture. When we route data points between our streaming instances, uh, we go through Kafka for resiliency. So in case one of our nodes go down, or we if we need to upgrade one of our nodes. Uh, we know the data points will not be lost because it's persisted uh, in a Kafka queue. We use Zookeeper for coronation. So um, uh, a lot, uh, uh, we have a, a service that we created internally that track um, what instances a particular microservice are running in production uh, and that each one of them registers themselves uh, against uh, into Zookeeper. So we use it as a naming and coronation type of service. Now what's your um, storage layer? Yes, we use Cassandra for storage. We use Cassandra primarily to store this large bitmap of time series data, this like three-dimensional bitmap of time series data. And then we shard and slice the data points uh, across time and uh, organizations um, uh, using multiple Cassandra clusters uh, in different tiers of hardware. For example, for data which are older, older than a year, for example, we go to Platter, uh, which are denser but slower. 
but data which are more recent. They're on SSDs, which is uh, not as dense, but definitely uh, uh, faster in terms of uh, number of IOPS uh, in response time, re-response time. Now, I know that talking with Kartik, uh, timing-wise, when you guys were starting to build, Spark Streaming was still quite young and uh, basically just starting out. But uh, now, of course, Spark Streaming is a lot more, it's a lot further along and a lot more production deployments and a bigger community around it. So is that something you guys would look at down the road? Uh, yeah, we're constantly, uh, you know, it's a word of the philosophy that, um, that we, we will constantly reevaluate our architecture. Uh, and definitely that um, uh, if Spark uh, Streaming uh, is actually to the place where it's reliable, um, well, when, it, when we actually look at it, it, it seems pretty reliable, uh, but it was just getting started. The, we didn't have enough knowledge around it. Um, uh, and uh, definitely at some point, we'll go back and take a look at that. So SignalFX is a software as a service. It's a cloud-first company. You came for you. You were one of the pioneers in cloud computing with cloud cloud. So, and I'm I'm really uh, starting to see a lot more companies uh, open to uh, doing things in the cloud. So not just startups who are going to be cloud first, but actually the customers of these startups. They may not put everything in the cloud, but they're more open to doing bits and pieces of uh, of let's say analytics in the cloud. Is that what you guys are finding? Yeah, actually, well, um, uh, it's funny that like... So if only the, loud cloud were available now, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, if it weren't for the dot-coms, uh, yeah. I think that the revenue numbers posted by AWS would have been loud cloud's uh, revenue numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that said, uh, uh, software as a service has definitely like uh, um, taken off. I think that uh, a lot of uh, the enterprises that we talked to yeah, today... Yeah, 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 Phil, even, I would say even just in the last year and a half, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, a lot of enterprises that, you know, before it was enterprises will say no uh, across the board, but now we're seeing that groups within enterprises are embracing uh, uh, cloud computing. So both as infrastructure as service, sometimes they will have a mix. Their hardware, they're running in their data center, and they use scale-out functionality to supplement by, uh, by running parts of it on like Rackspace, on um, AWS, on Google Compute, uh, on Azure, uh, for example. Uh, and then uh, more and more, we're seeing that these digital media teams within enterprises who are basically on the edges of the enterprise, and things which are uh, building apps that are customer-facing, uh, they're embracing this new technique uh, of a modern uh, application. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, we're, we're, we're in talks with many enterprise customers, uh, digital media teams, to set up monitoring for them. You know, so Signal FX is cloud company, cloud-first company. Obviously, you you were uh, with Loud Cloud, like we talked about earlier. Now, um, it seems to me, just talking to people like you, that uh, when you try to assemble an engineering team that's going to uh, be a cloud-oriented engineering team, that seems to require different engineering skills and uh, processes. So would you agree with that observation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think one of the key things that, like for us, for example, we don't have an operation team here uh, at uh, SignalFX. Uh, We have a notion of all the engineering teams provide what we call services. And uh, in the services, uh, essentially, is an API across the network um, that other services can access. You know, that includes like like EC2. We have a wrapper around EC2 to basically, you know, we want to instantiate a host. We we call a command line uh, that's provided by our infrastructure team to create a service. And then so everybody sort of think all the engineers sort of beha- uh, 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 have this mindset 
where uh, when you, it's not only am I building software, but I'm also running the software because um, it's, uh, it's end-to-end for me. So it's not just designing and then give it a QA, have a shrink wrap, have a shipped, and then rinse, repeat. Um, uh, instead is I live with my software. I'm building software that people are using. If something or to go is wrong and my customer are complaining, I need to figure out why that is. I need to get on it right away. So that is a completely different mindset than you know engineering if we saw just like 15, 20 years ago. And then the skill set, all the engineers coming up now have more operations backgrounds than they did before. No, they're not experts in operation, but actually they their building block is an AWS VM right now instead of a physical server. Um, their building blocks are um, services like um, the ones that we mentioned, you know, um, Zookeeper, Kafka, right. Cassandra, that's their building block right now. They're not libraries. Uh, so it's actually is a, it's quite a different mindset just from what it was uh, 10 years ago, I would say. So uh, now you're building out your team. <laughs> and uh, I uh, just read a blog post about uh, you, some of the things that you guys do in order to uh, kind of nurture new engineers, right? So uh, as a new engineer comes in to uh, your team, you actually give them the leeway to uh, work on what they want to work on, but more importantly, to look at your stack and, and point out things they would do differently. Yes, absolutely. So um, I guess we're constantly reevaluating our, because we're, again, this sort of comes back to the fact that we're building a live service uh, that's always running. Um, so we're constantly reevaluating, constantly thinking about ways how to make our service better, you know, faster, scale better, um, use less resources. That's, that's a continuous uh, change. That's part of the culture. Uh, and then when everybody, when people join our company, we, we look for this like fresh eye on what we've done in the past. And sometimes like, like this fresh perspective um, uh, can bring us ideas maybe that we've not thought of before. Or as a reiteration about, oh, hey, um, we thought about this and um, here's why uh, we went against uh, this particular idea. And it's good for the quality of the service that we offer. It's also uh, it's good to, for the engineers to sort of remain uh, on the edge and understand like, all the problems, making sure they see all the problems of the design um, that they might have not have thought uh, saw before. So let's close with, you know, so we talked about the cloud. We talked about uh, monitoring systems. Let's close with uh, some just technology trends that you're paying attention to that uh, may or may not be you know, directly relevant to signal effects. Uh, so anything out there that uh, you want our listeners to start looking at? Um, I, I will say, like, I think that, you know, AWS actually definitely taken, has taken infrastructure as a service a very long way. I will say that uh, over the course of next um, few years, there will be a lot more innovation uh, in this area. So what, I will actually... what about, Phil, what about the other kind of uh, hardware trends? Like, I don't know, like... Uh, uh, next generation SSDs and things like that. Yeah, I think those things are all uh, um, very interesting. I think that uh, because we're now in this world where we think of machines as virtual, and then especially for the app, most of the SaaS application developers these days, they care about like guaranteed IOP rates, right? They right. care about, and then less about like exactly the technology that's bringing those IOP rates up and guarantees. I think uh, so. That's the reason why um, I go back to, to like to talk about like AWS and then uh, sort of competing technology around that space. I will say that like anything that, like container centric, which can make efficient use of the resources that's available. That that's interesting. Docker, for example, I think people should pay a lot of attention to. We actually had a lot of success 
going with container-based uh, uh, technologies um, at FB, and then certainly you know that we took you from uh, to Google from Google uh, on that front as well. So I imagine that like you know, like GCU would be kind of interesting, and I, I'd be on the lookout for anything that's related in that space. Uh, the, okay. You know, speaking of the cloud, actually, one of the amazing things I was talking to someone about this earlier is you know how GPUs are now being used, right? So for a variety of reasons, deep learning. And then there's some systems that are GPU-based for visualization and stuff. But if you look back like a few years ago, GPUs, that means I have to build my own box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you yeah. just go on Amazon, right? So. Yeah, exactly. It's all, all, all available to you. Yeah, so you have it in five minutes. Yeah, I mean, you can have a cluster that's all GPUs, it, right? Yeah, exactly, in five minutes. So, uh, you know, that's just like 10 years ago, you know, who would have thought that? Yeah. Well... Phil Liu, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to me. It's been great. Uh, Good luck to you guys. Uh, I love what you're doing. I love this area. Uh, Just metrics and time series and stuff like that. So uh, thanks again. Oh, it's a pleasure uh, speaking with you. You can follow Phil Liu online at signalfx.com. Thank you for joining us. If you like the show, You can subscribe through iTunes or TuneIn or SoundCloud and never miss an episode.